Hello, and welcome to Frame by Frame, a song-by-song analysis about legendary progressive rock band King Crimson. Come and join us in our test of discipline. Greetings, comrades. It is Frame by Frame. We are back with another episode on the Red Album. Today, we're going to be talking about Providence. Uh, This is Ryan, and joining me is Ave. Ave, how are you doing? Pretty great, actually. How are you? I'm doing okay, I guess. Sore back, but eh. yeah, you're getting old. I'm an old fuck now, so I just have to live <laughs> with it. So, so today we are talking about Providence. Um, just when you think we're done with the improv talk, um, we are back in, in Providence. Again. In Providence, indeed. Um, so this one is interesting for me. Because I'm not, how do I put this? It's not their best improvisation. I'm not, I don't want to go too deep into the improv talk. Um, if you want to hear that, go back to our episode on Star Wars and Bible Black improvisations. We go a bit more in detail. But I wouldn't say this is one of their best, but it's pretty good. It's nice to hear Cross on the record. This is, I'm pretty sure, his only appearance. Um because it's a live recording and it's nice to hear him at the start kind of doing his thing until he gets shrouded out by the, yeah, I I kind of, I kind of heard this as David Cross's swan song to King Crimson. Like he's just really being drowned out. It's like, this was one of like the last times in an improv where he's like really heard. But I also, I think it's one of their best improvs. Not as good as Trio, but I see why and how it made it to the album. My main issue with it, I'm going by just the album version real quick. My main issue is that it's a little too stop-starty for my taste. Um, A lot of Crimson improvs are kind of stop-start anyway, Um, where it's like they just never really settle into a groove for the most part because they're yeah. just they're just flip flopping through all these, especially Bill. Bill just like cannot stay still. And Providence, yeah. I think, is a notable one for his lack of a groove kind of hurting it. Cause there's many times where it's like it's gonna like find itself, but it really doesn't. And it just kind of ends on like a weird note. Um, and that's because it was edited. They cut about two minutes of it out. I'm not really sure why, because I think it would have fit on the original album. But like the production's not great on it either. It's that whole, it's a live recording, but they're trying to make it a studio sounding piece, like the Star Wars and Bible Black ones. But it just, to me, it just, it sounds very like low and just not mixed very well. So everything just gets kind of muddy in certain spots for me. I mean, there are great moments on here. It's nice to hear Cross doing his thing. I like Fripps playing with the distortion on there. Yeah, um, I think this is a good improv. And it, and it has that seasoned feel to it. You know, like these guys have been improving a lot. So yeah, it's yeah. just very in their blood by this point. But yeah, it's like it. you can tell like when when you know it's an improv, it's like, yeah, this definitely sounds improvised. Like a lot of pretty much all like King Crimson improvs have that they follow like a similar formula where one of them introduces an idea and then 
like they all just like slowly join in and build on it and then another member comes up with another idea i mean you're you are right in that it doesn't really quite find a groove but i think it it works i think it still sounds pretty good i i like about about five minutes in i think is where it gets interesting Yes, because for uh, the first half of it, it's it's is very very subtle. There's not really a whole lot going on, but then as like the drums come in and like the bass and guitar get gets stronger, it's like the wall of sound builds. But it's it is more interesting to listen to, and it's interesting to just be listening to that that thought process going on. I do think the brick wall is a bit more restrained this time than other yeah improv yeah like there are other yeah there's other examples of improvs from this tour where cross is just totally drowned out but i i think they they definitely held back a little bit like bill could have gone a lot harder in the drumming than he did but i like when he's able to sort of restrain himself i do too admirable restraint Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I really do not say enough about Bill. Like even with that whole one more Red Nightmare episode, like he, he's just like he's just such an amazing musician. Very, but I, but as I was saying, the it was the album version, the edited version is just some about it was always just kind of weird to me. But they have. Um, released the full unedited version which adds the extra like two minutes it's way better that's it's my preferred version um Mm, yeah the the mix is a lot stronger i think because like the crowd noise is there but it has more of that live sound to it and you get to hear the whole thought process so you get to hear a little bit of fripp doing some like kind of funky wah-wah guitar which is pretty cool and just i feel like you get to hear the complete thought that providence is and it kind of resolves itself better than it does on the album. Yeah, like on the album, it kind of cuts off at a weird point. But like in those last two minutes that they that they leave on in the road to red, like you kind of hear it kind of like they start to like slow down and kind of like fade out and start going into the next song in a way. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard some people say that um, Providence is like the moonchild of this record. That's exactly what I I wrote that in my notes. I I have that that observation of like it's like yes it, it's it's side two and the fourth fourth track on the album and it's just like to me it's like a reverse Moonchild in a way where Moonchild becomes like it, it's just meandering and they like it's like that improv is just like it just wanders so much whereas with this improv like it wanders in the beginning but it's five minutes in I think is where they find they start finding like kind of a groove yeah I'll agree with that to me between Moonshot and Providence my favorite of it would be the two-minute song of Moonchild. I still really like that the improv is a bit shaky but I always find it fascinating because it's really yeah. our only documented um, like studio improvisation from that band. A band that could have been better at improvising had they had more opportunity to do it. And But hearing this band improvise, especially at this point, that they've had so many opportunities to do it, 
it's definitely stronger overall as a piece. But I can see why some people would say it's the Moonchild because it kind of gets cast to the side. People don't really talk about it as much when they talk about this album. So I think that's an easy comparison to make. Yeah. Yeah, although there were things going on in, in the court that were just like like it was just in that album. Yes, yes. It's a very I insular mean, like, album. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> it's just like all like within contained within itself. And I actually I I told you this earlier, Ryan, but I realized yesterday I had this revelation before of like just exactly why King Crimson is so important to me and like what I heard in inside one of that album alone not even knowing it was side one because i had downloaded it from a blog spot in 2017 before they were on spotify and i i've just been thinking a lot about the lyrics that peter sinfield was writing and just the legacy and the message that he had and and I know that Fripp heard something in that, like he understood what what Peter Stenfield was saying. And so it was it was 21st century schizoid man that has carried King Crimson through everything. And I mean, in this show, in the Providence show, they they do this as an encore. And it's actually it's it's worth mentioning in that that encore when they when they do that riff it's only Fripp playing like, like cross is just totally drowned out. Yeah. And if, and if this is considered Cross's swan song, it's very kind of telling. Yeah. His sort uh. of position in the band and it's kind of depressing in its own way as well to think that like a man who contributed so much to this band, but didn't get, really his just due for a very long time. It, yeah. It's, it's depressing because oh, there was always that perception that he was very drowned out. Yeah, but I, he's but I, like the one in the friend group that everyone kind of ignores and it sucks because like he's so cool. But yet if you really like deep dive into this era of like like the the live recordings, there's a lot of times you hear him. I think, yeah, I think it gets overstated the whole drowning out. Cause I think, especially in like the earlier shows, he's very prominent and yeah. is the glue to me. It only really became an issue for, from what I've listened to until like the, 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 the final U S tour in yeah, 73, 74, that's... that's when it became a problem. I think beforehand yeah, it wasn't because, that bad. Cause like, um, yeah, like the American audience wanted like the heavy stuff. And even in the small venue where they played this show, like I live half an hour from Providence. I'm pretty familiar with with the city. Mm-hmm. And so when they played there, it was called the Palace Theater. They played there. This show was recorded July 30th, 1974. But now it's called the uh, Providence Performing Arts Center or the PPAC. So my, my partner, Alan, who I live with, 
actually saw a play there in high school and we go to Providence a lot just like like we'll get bagels there and we we get our jazz cabbage there various other things I got my favorite shirt at an antique store in Providence so like I've actually driven past or we've actually driven past that venue we were actually in Providence today but we weren't able to to drive past it because we just weren't like in that area but like I, I've I've seen it, and it amazes me that that they recorded this improvisation at like such a small little venue, uh, and now like it it ended up on this album that has such an incredible legacy. Mm-hmm. I don't think they intended that improv to necessarily be on an album. Like I've almost wondered why this is on the record. Considering I'm wondering what they were feeling in Providence that day and what they were seeing. Like when when Alan and I were driving around, I was wondering, like we were we were talking about like or I was just kind of wondering, like how much of how much of the city did did they see and what did it look like to them back then? I can't really think of any other instances of of King Crimson playing in in Providence. Like I I, I might be wrong. Radiohead 2001, but I mean, they've probably played there multiple times, like throughout yeah, throughout their like entire history, you know, yeah. and probably and there's probably a part of them that just saw this just, you know, another gig. I just think I, I was just trying to think of why they decided to add another improvisation on this record, considering there were so many of them on the last record. And this yeah. has a lot of studio tracks. You would think they'd want to get away with that a little away from that a little bit, but maybe they were kind of scrapped for material and they were just just remembered that that was an improv that they liked and just kind of threw it on there. Maybe. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a genuinely pretty good improv. Although I, I, I do wonder too, if they just didn't have like enough, studio material but it's also possible that they just did this to give david cross like one last little like shout out or something it's possible that is possible even though even though david cross does have writing credit on the last track so oh yeah i think Mm -hmm. he composed that that riff yes he he wrote the riff yeah you you know that you know the riff but we'll talk about that next time the fact that the the album covers is has Fred, Bill, and Wetton, like Cross was there for those shoots. Really, and then they, they just yeah, we'll, we'll we'll choose the picture that doesn't have him. Mm-hmm. Like wow. The it's... only reason the only reason I know that is on the Road to Red box set, the like the various like cases for like the cds they they use like the red faces or whatever it's either that or it's in like the booklet and they show one of that same shoot and it's david cross it's the same like shadowy face thing so he was still there when they did those shoots i'm wondering when it was made official that he wasn't in the band because like this providence show was recorded on july 30th uh, and then the album was put out on october 6th so that like that's somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really short amount of time 
and they're just like it's kind of just like why even make like the official announcement that that he's like out of the band when the band's falling apart well a lot of it was due to eg their management just being weird manipulating yeah control control freaks on the band because like Fripp has always said that he wanted to tell Cross way before he actually was told, which, you know, caused a tension between Fripp and Cross for many years, which I think has been settled these days, especially because they've done like ambient stuff together now. So, yeah, like I I feel like David Cross is just such an underappreciated musician. And like I've realized like just back to what I was saying about like in the court and just my wackiness like a big part of like just the purpose of what I do is like I know how much it means to me when people say that like they enjoy listening to this or just like the the jokes that I make and like the observations that we have and like I I I want these musicians to know how important they are just contributing to just the the legacy of or just like the canon of human art and just the self-sustaining ecosystem of consciousness that we have i think i I tripped yesterday (laughs) well i i think why cross has such a has had such an issue with being recognized is due just the fact that he plays an unconventional instrument yeah you know, um, yeah, it's like even in mean, like, like even in like the jazz world or like the other the only other notable like, I guess, pop musician, violinists, quote unquote, pop musicians I can think of are like Jean-Luc Ponty or like Don Sugarcane Harris, um, who both Eddie those Johnson. guys, Eddie Jobson, that wanker. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and David Cross. Um, yeah. So I mean, oh, like, um, sense oh, and... oh, um, Robbie Steinhardt from Kansas as well. Oh. So that's like five that I know off the top of my head. Yeah. So I mean, like it, it, it makes sense, but like I mean, I've I've been going out into Boston on on weekends and like getting more involved in this this small little music scene going and. Like I've made an impact on people just from just from like talking to people and like complimenting musicians like is like I've realized like there's so much that I don't really put into words that I express through just, you know, like all these like ridiculous posts and like weird images or just like listening to music and I always wonder what these musicians are saying through their instruments and how similar it is to just the different ways that I hear people expressing the same emotions in lyrics. Mm-hmm. Usually. Like everyone, if you find your purpose in life, like you always find it your own way, like you create your own meaning in life. But there's a lot of a lot of people coming around to the same general conclusion and just interpreting it in a way that applies to themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think we, as the listeners can sometimes um, overrate this stuff or sort of like overemphasize it, I guess, to a certain degree. Because if I remember correctly, we'll talk about Genesis again, if you want. Um, Mm -hmm. 
like Steve Hackett, I think once was talking about how after the end of a specific performance of Supper's Ready, they did like somebody at the audience said to Steve, he's like, yo, that ending like guitar solo bit. Like, I thought I saw God. And Steve's like, oh, that's nice. I was just trying to get the notes right. So. Yeah, it's like people don't even realize like how much of an impact they have on others. Like, well, I think it's I I think it's well, if you have to look at it from Steve's perspective, whereas he had been playing that song live from 1972 to like 1977. So there becomes a point when you are like in that material where it's like you play it, you've performed on it, you know it and you kind of stop thinking about sort of that. Yeah, you know, like it, it becomes workman at a point where it's like you're just trying to get it right because it's just yeah, even what you just do. like like I, I practice singing sometimes and like if I sing like the same song over and over, eventually just like the act of like singing it means less than hearing it or like listening to it. Yeah, which isn't then, necessarily like, I have a to like take thing. a break from like these songs and then come back to them and then like rediscover what it means to me. Mm hmm. But, you know, that is what it is. So it also reminds me of that adage that you don't know when you're living in good times. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like when good stuff's happening, you're not really thinking about it. But when it's over and then everything like, goes to shit and then you're just like, damn, I wish it was like however many years ago. It's like when you start thinking about it, you're like, damn, those are some good times. But you weren't. Yeah. Think- yeah so. Yeah. But it's, and- it's the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, like, I've been, like, actively trying to work on that with myself because there there are times where, like, things will go well and then, like, I don't fully appreciate what's happening and then it all just goes to shit. But, I mean, like, right now, I've found myself, like, I don't know how how long this will last, but, like, I'm at a place in my life where I've realized, like, this this past month I've just been doing what I want to do like with this this podcast and like heading up into Boston and just all my my wackiness like like I've just been like just going back into my head and like just trying to figure out like what I've done wrong and like what what I can do to improve myself and so I mean like I'm I'm doing much better than than I was like not not long ago at all. Well, that that's life, you know. It's, it's yeah. It's, it's the process, um, and we eventually all figure it out. I think just some do at other points in time. So yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on Providence? Um, yeah, there was actually a little more I wanted to say because I, I listened through the whole show. So how's uh, the whole show? It's, it's good. It's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty strong show. There's, there's a really great version of Fracture on there. And it's also the show where they do the improv voyage to the center of the cosmos, which I'm kind of surprised didn't make it to the album. That's my favorite King Crimson improv. So yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. 
Yeah, that, I I am surprised that one didn't make it either. But maybe yeah, and like but maybe your even... whole your whole opinion on like they were giving David Cross one final shot might make sense because he's not really on that one. Yeah, like he uh. you really hear like the the brick wall in that one. Mm-hmm. But, but it's like, like it, it but it's like, like it almost it almost fits better on red. You know. Yeah, it, it it's like it would and. It's 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 a great one. It's just like but like I'm wondering how much of it was improvised actually because like listening to the show, like Fripp makes an announcement saying like they'd been working on it. And that also makes me wonder like when did he make the decision to just like he was just done with the band? Like when I wonder when he realized that he was just like, like he was just able to just like say it that he didn't want to do this anymore. Because well, I know that when he made that decision to stop King Crimson, like that wasn't a decision that he made lightly or, or happily. Like he, I'd almost argue it, it was. It was. It was just I mean, something way, he just did. Yeah. But I, I can imagine it being like a really difficult decision is to leave behind like all this stuff that he'd been working for. But I, I understand it, just that pursuit of just knowledge and finding like the ultimate truth. Like he was trying to find that through music and then he followed this philosopher for a while. And I'm sure like he was like he found inspiration in that but then he realized he had to go back to music and that was his calling well um red they finished recording red in august and then it came out in october of 74 and yeah Fripp, it was and september Fripp, 24th 1974 that they made the announcement that king crimson had broken up mm-hmm. and it would be like another year until fripp entered the sherborne house so mm. Uh, so I just wonder what the hell went went on in that particular year. Um, yeah, at, le- at, mean, le- at least from what I know, he entered in September of 1975 to the Sherborne House. So it sounds like he'd been like on his way to make that decision for a little while. Maybe he had to wait. It was that case of like he was on a waiting list and had to wait for like a year to get in. <laughs> but he did. He yeah, stuck- do, do you guys have any beds available? Well, no knowing knowing Fripp, at least as best as we know him, if that was the case, if he was that determined to do it and they're like, oh, we're booked for like another year, he'll be like, put me on the list, I'll wait. <laughs> and we'll just sit there patiently until it's time for him to to go in. It wouldn't surprise me. Because if he was that determined to take the fourth way course and learn the teachings of JG Bennett thinking that will improve his life he'd be willing to just stick it out so yeah and i mean we call that a hyper focus yes so if anyone yes, hyper focuses for being on yeah, if any being yeah, on the spectrum yeah if anyone hyper focuses it's robert fripp so yeah well like I, I just have a lot to say today just about like life, the universe and everything. And 
just how much like King Crimson alone and just progressive rock in general, just the way that I've been able to relate that to like all the weirdness that I've lived through and like everything I've seen and experienced alone, like, like this, this music has helped me find myself. Like that's why I, I do this podcast and why for four years I've been going on about this leading going back into like this like revelation and like epiphany that I had when I first had that revelation on morning glory seeds on on November 20th 2017 I I I had been in a state of like complete existential despair up until then and something in my mind shifted while I was listening to in the court of the crimson king and I've just been I've just been trying to figure that out and put that into words ever since. And to me, that's the essence of art, just the way that I was able to just connect everything in my mind. And like, I want to just share this connection and I want to put my thoughts out there and hope that I can speak to someone that the way King Crimson has spoken to me, like Radiohead, Genesis, like all these other artists that I love. I've realized like the attachment that I have to this, this stuff is something that I don't think a lot of other people experience in the way that I do. And I know that I have some ideas in, in this music community that a lot of other people don't. The way that King Crimson impacted me, like I heard 21st century schizoid man or just in the court it's like two months after Trump had become president, I wanted to be a political science major. And I just kind of fell apart with all that. Like hearing 21st century schizoid man, knowing in the back of my head that despite the sound of my voice, I am a man. And I was just afraid to admit that. And just seeing all this chaos in the world. And then just thinking like, this guy wrote this 47 years ago. He knew what was going to happen. And like, I'm hearing it now. Why is this happening? And then just this constant like back and forth. And and then like listening to that, then that being followed by I Talk to the Wind, which is just like a really just a, a statement of just that that sentiment of feeling like an outsider, whatever Peterson Field felt like that for. Like he he was viewing society from an outsider's perspective and just seeing all the flaws in it. And then Epitaph is just elaborating on the flaws that he saw. Like, I saw all those things happening in 2017. And I, yeah, like, <laughs> my my brain exploded in the same way that I think Bob and Bobby's did with J.G. Bennett. And I think when, when Peter Sinfield introduced 21st Century Schizoid Man to the band, like, with those those vague lyrics like they're just simple lines but they like he chooses the right words to convey just the images and this this terror that everyone feels even if they don't they if even if they can't put their finger on it so just connecting this to every other piece of music I've heard and just finding myself in this community and trying to figure out where I belong. Like, this is why I do what I do, even though I literally went insane over the, just the epiphany I had when I was 19.
Like I've realized like whatever I'm on to, like I need to figure it out. But like, that's exactly what I've been trying to do. Just like figuring it out and trying to find my place in the world. And I, I just want like all the members of King Crimson to know like just the meaning of what they do. Like 50 years on from in the court, like people are hearing this and I know I know that my experience of finding King Crimson is unique. The way that I discovered them, like I went out of my way to dig, to just find this random file on some random blog because they weren't on Spotify yet, but it was something that I, I'd read about this album and I knew I needed to hear it. And I think Robert Fripp and Peterson Field knew that they had to carry this message because it was something beyond themselves. And even when Peter Sinfield left, like Fripp kept 21st century schizoid man with him in the band's repertoire, because like people needed to hear that they have messages that just, they're, they're just worthy of being heard. They're worthy statements to make about, mankind and everything that's existed in humanity for as long as we've been here yeah i thought that's just because it was the popular song <laughs> yeah he, here here's me the, the, the journey to the center of the mind out here I mean, that's that's like, always the vibe I got why they kept Schizoid Man is because it's the track people knew them for, and especially in this era. But why did it catch people's attention? I mean, there's a lot of different reasons, but I think a lot the of reasons were yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, and that's that a it, profound statement. Like, in, in 1969, like, 21st century, like, uh, was, it's just, that like, was, a statement at, about the future. Like 31 years from that moment. Yeah. And yet think about that song that like, yeah, 21st century schizoid man, we've been living in the 21st century for about 20 some years now, but, and it feels like it was prophetic. It absolutely was being a commentary on the Vietnam war and sort of just these very vague descriptions of, of just, you know, depravity um yeah or psychotic behavior in a way and yeah it feels like ever since then it's just gotten more and more obscene i guess yeah and like i at one point when i was really mcfreaking losing it i broke those lyrics down and like applied them to my life and things that i i had experienced is like I've been through some shit. I've been through shit that like most people don't even know can still happen. And just like my very existence is just bizarre to me. And when I contemplate all this stuff, I try to make universal statements about just relating myself to everything else and everyone else, but also just like, just trying to comprehend my own consciousness as I experience it. Just the fact that I am alive at all is 
strange, like, and almost didn't happen. Like I was born with a heart condition that I needed open heart surgery for when I was a month old. And then while recovering from that surgery, I got a staph infection. And then like other shit happened when I was a kid, like I've been going through like existential nihilism and despair since I was 10. So King Crimson really spoke to me like 21st century schizoid man. And I talked to the wind, like I heard something in that and I I don't, they never could have imagined their music to be heard, like, in the the exact way that I heard it. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> like, some, like, trans, some weird trans guy with Asperger's syndrome and all these other weird things. I mean, it's a very specific situation, you know? Yeah. But, like, there are times where I've, I feel like I'm the weirdest person I know. And it's just been a debate of whether I should just like isolate myself from everyone for that or work through my flaws and just say like, you know, like I'm not the worst person out here. I'm just really weird, but like I have some some stuff to say about music. Like this is what I want to do. Like this is what matters to me is to make me feel better about having to be alive Mm -hmm. and yeah I I mean I know that in the court is not the song that we're talking about today but I mean like even just being being in Providence today like and like in the, the literal city of Providence like after this mental breakthrough I had yesterday, like I I was thinking a lot about just this music in general and what King Crimson means to me. And like I already said, like, it just amazes me that they played like this, this song on one of, one of the most iconic albums in progressive rock is like a couple minutes away from where my partner and I get bagels on Mondays. Mm Kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, and just, like, noticing all these just little, like, interconnected things, like, it's, like, you have to wonder, like, what's out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess on, I guess on that note, I'd say we uh, call this an episode. So, thank you all very much for listening. We always greatly appreciate it. So remember to email and tweet at us your your questions, comments, and concerns about about the show in general. So we we, we encourage open communication with the fans. It, it's fun that way. So yes, it's it's very fun, and I just want to give a shout out to everyone who who's following me on Instagram and Twitter. I don't really post on Twitter a lot, but. I, I've I've had a lot of people reach out to me lately, especially since I've since I've announced like coming out on here just and and making the decision to start HRT. Like I I really appreciate all the support that I that I have on here. And I'm I'm really glad that people enjoy listening to this so much because it it's 
doing this podcast has literally been keeping me alive in the past year. Like knowing that I need to do this. Like I don't go into detail about just everything that goes on in my head, but there's, there's a lot and there's a lot that I had to sort out, but I'm, I'm just doing so much better now. And like, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing better, but for the time being, while this lasts, I, I really can't express enough how, how grateful I am to have all of this. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun for me too. It's um, the, so something I, I do more for fun, but you know, yeah. I mean, that's all this is like, it, it's, it's fun. And yeah. yeah, yeah. Life's a bunch of bullshit. So you might as well have some fun while you're at it. So exactly. Yeah. So next week is, is a big one. One that I've kind of been dreading talking about, but. Uh... Oh, I am. I am looking forward to this one. I have things to say. As do I. As do I. So I have good things to say. <laughs> I wouldn't say I have bad things. I just have things to say. But um, but yes, next time we will be talking about the the finale of this album and the finale of this era of King Crimson as a whole. And that is the immortal Starless. So until then, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.